Hello and welcome to Metaphorically Speaking with Delia Delore, the show that explores the impacts of commonly used phrases on our world's diverse cultures and how people's use of them shape our perspective on the societies that we live in. I'm Delia Delore. Our metaphor today probably call a quote. It's by Maya Angelou. I wonder if you can guess which one. Well, it's, I've learned people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. One of those quotes that makes so much sense when you hear it, but not when you're living it. I must say that COVID-19 has made me reflect and boy, some feelings I thought I'd forgotten about and even some I didn't know that I had came to the surface. And in many cases, I didn't remember how it started or how it happened, but I definitely remembered how it made me feel. Our segment writers had a chatty time researching this week. Sean came up with something that was down to earth and refreshing. And Sabina found a metaphor that was part of the journey of the Maya Angelou quote. Sabina felt that the quote she found supplemented our chosen metaphor and the words of our guest, who provides support and helps to raise self-esteem. So she researched the metaphor, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. So in a way, you have two shows rolled into one. Our guest, Marsha Powell, is co-founder of Believe, and we had a very interesting talk about the rationale of Believe, which is spelled B-E-L-E-V-E. And if you are from the Caribbean, you'll understand why. You'll learn more about Believe later. But first, let's listen to what Sabina found. In the middle of Difficulty Lies Opportunity is an Albert Einstein quote that has wound up in common use. Einstein is telling us that difficulties are certainly obvious. When we face them, we realize pretty quick that things aren't at their best. What we don't always realize, however, is that within these troubles, sometimes there's an opportunity lurking. First, see problems as opportunities. When you see a problem as a problem, it's a can't. No innovation can happen. No ideation can happen. When you see a problem as an opportunity, it's this amazing, juicy space where anything can happen. Prisoner William Addis was one such person who seized a chance during his own personal strife. This is a very interesting story, so bear with me. Addis was a Londoner who was born in the early 1700s. He's credited to having invented the modern toothbrush, or at least the first person to have ever mass-produced it. In 1770, he was jailed for starting a riot in Spitalfields, East London. Once he had been put away, he began contemplating how to further his professional journey and make up for the lost time that he had now. One day, when he was attempting to clean his teeth with a rag covered in soot and salt, Addis realized that a more efficient method was needed. He saved a bone from dinner, managed to drill a few holes in it, and inserted a number of bristles he'd wrangled off a guard. Enjoying the success of his contraption, he even provided a few to his cellmates. In a place where he had lost his freedom, Addis managed to create something that not only gave him peace of mind, but passed on the same feeling of satisfaction to generations after. Addis died a rich man, claiming an invention that has since become a staple in all of our homes. Oh, Mr. Reach, we're about to change your toothbrush. Ah! <laughs> 
Don't worry. Reach is now better than ever. With an easy-to-grip handle and a tapered head that's packed with more bristles. You see? Of course, it still has a unique angled neck to clean even those hard-to-reach back teeth. We'd never change that. The new Reach toothbrush. Cleaning brilliantly by design. Reach. Better than ever from Johnson & Johnson. Thinking back to Einstein, we can understand how this quote is accredited to him. As a student, he had an awful reputation, often skipping school and flunking exams, so his professors didn't take him seriously. Did you know he nearly dropped out to become a full-time insurance salesman? I didn't. After barely graduating, he flitted out looking for the perfect job. Finally, he landed on patent clerk, a trade which saw him reading thousands of patent applications which required him to check lots of maths, which is what probably pushed him to becoming the renowned theoretical physicist we all know of today. Father passed away when Albert was 23. He never saw his son's global success. The game-changing theories, the academic career, even the request to become president of Israel, Einstein's father died thinking he was a complete failure. However, though Einstein faced difficulty both personally and professionally, it was finding the right job that prompted his success. Through copious analysis of inventions and mechanisms, he was able to create theories that changed the course of modern science. He found the opportunity after years of difficulty. Here's a clip of Einstein explaining his most famous work, E equals MC squared. Followed from the special theory of relativity, that mass and energy are both are but different manifestations of the same thing. A somewhat unfamiliar conception for the average mind. Furthermore, the equation E is equal mc square, in which energy is put equal to mass multiplied with the square of the velocity of light, showed that very small amount of mass may be converted into a very large amount of energy, and vice versa. The mass and energy were, in fact, equivalent, according to the formula mentioned above. This was demonstrated by Kokra and Walton in 1932 experimentally. Though we often like to share great pieces of advice here at Metaphorically Speaking, we do recommend that today's phrase be used as a source of inspiration rather than taken as a mantra. COVID-19 and the various lockdowns have seen us all pick up new hobbies, whether it's learning a new language, an instrument, or even to try to get fit. Though we have attempted a novel skill, a lot of us haven't been so successful in following through. Just getting ready to go for my first lockdown run. And getting some lungfuls of air. God, this running lark is hard. Better check the time, see when it's time to go home for a beer. Polling my team, I found out that they'd all tried something fresh that was pretty quickly dropped. One colleague even told me about downloading a scheduling app to help her plan her day. However... After being continuously bugged by notifications, well, you know what happened there. (laughs) 
Yeah, she got rid of it, even realizing that her previous organizational techniques were in fact the best and least annoying for her. So even though the phrase in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity is a great piece of advice, don't feel downtrodden if you don't always follow it. Sometimes we seize an opportunity only to not succeed, or sometimes we learn that what we thought was an opportunity was actually not productive at all. Just be proud that if you do spot that diamond in the rough and polish it to its true beauty, that you might be a little bit more like Einstein than you realized. My guest today is Marsha Powell, a co-founder of Believe, and she'll tell you more about it. But one thing I'll tell you is she strongly believes that every girl needs a mentor. So, Marsha, thank you so much for joining us on Metaphorically Speaking. You have been doing so much out there and I didn't know of you before, but now I know of you. I'm, I'm well impressed, I must say. And I'm thinking, how can I make some form of contribution to what you're doing? Because I believe in what you're doing so much. But our listeners don't know. So can you tell them, what are you about? What is the Believe campaign about? Okay, so Believe is a charity. It's a girls' charity um, for girls between the age of eight to 21. And what do we stand for? We stand for sisterhood, firstly. I have three sisters and I know all about what it means to be a sister, but also to be loved and supported by a sister. So we are about sisterhood. We are also about um, equality. So we're we're really ensuring that girls get an opportunity to amplify their voices on issues that mean a lot to them, but also being a part of the trailblazing women who are trying to bring about change for good for young girls and women. And we are about connecting girls to amazing role models through mentoring. So those are the things that we stand for as a charity. But most importantly, it's about supporting girls in raising their confidence and their self-esteem and also gaining capabilities that enable them to be the next generation of leaders. How do you do that? Um, so, So we do it in a number of ways. So we have workshops, we have events, like I said, we do mentoring, um, but also we enable the girls to co-create with us. So it's it's very much a girl-led organisation. We have a young women's leadership board that comprises of 15 young girls who are amazing, who challenge me daily around the things that they want to see, but also the things that they want to experience. So, you know, as an organisation, it's about increasing girls' opportunities and experiences because, as we know, if you come from a disaffected background, you may have less opportunities than someone who doesn't. However, your background shouldn't determine your future. So what we do is just make sure that we challenge the glass ceiling and we break it and we enable the girls to go through doors that they may never, ever, ever go through. But how did it all begin? I understand now what it's about. Oh, okay, how did cool. it begin? Okay, cool. So... Um, Believe really came from a started from a place of tragedy. So um, my mum died 10 years ago, February 10th, 2011. And that made me 
just reevaluate my life in terms of what I wanted to do as an individual, what I wanted to, what I wanted to leave behind in this world, to be fair. And I saw that there was a gap in the market with regards to support girls receive. And girls like me, to be fair. So I come from a single parent home. I lived in South London. And maybe lots of people would have thought Marshall wouldn't really amount to nothing, you know, because stereotypes do exist. Um, and I started my career in Canary Wolf. I had a dream to be a HR business partner and I became a HR business partner. I left this organisation that I worked for for 15 years with all my higher education. So I did a HNC, I did a degree and I did a master's all within 15 years with two kids. At that point of my mum dying, I was just like, what about if I gave back firstly, but what if I ensured that girls like me have more opportunities and more experiences to realise their dreams and actually to achieve them? So that's how Believe was really born. Well, you know, <laughs> I can see the, the thought process, but how does that develop to an actual thing? Okay. So um research is the first thing so obviously I had an idea um I did a lot of research I also did a lot of networking just to test my idea actually because at first I just wanted it to be a mentoring program and then um I realized that there was a wider need and it was really born from my daughter so I have a 19 year old daughter and at the time she was I want to see 11 going to girl guiding and and she actually got kicked out of girl guiding because they said that she was um too noisy <laughs> she's been dis disruptive and when I thought to myself well I could create something that's quite similar for girls that gives them an opportunity to actually have a voice have fun and learn new skills and that's what I did so just tested it with a small group of girls in terms of does this work is there a need and then just expanded from there and just made sure that I worked with some really good in order to realize my dream which was Billy. Can you give us an example of how Believe actually helps someone to achieve? Mm -hmm. Okay cool so um, one of the first um, workshops we did was called um, Rocking the Beauty Shop and it was all around raising girls' self-esteem and confidence, but also um, challenging their ideals around beauty. Um, and there was a young girl at the time, she was 15, so she was still at school um, with not much confidence. And she did the whole program. So it was a six week program. And this young girl finished school, very lost in terms of what her next steps were. So I said, okay, why don't you become our apprentice so she did so she was our apprentice for a year um and developed you know with us as a very new charity became a facilitator um so running running a lot of the the um programs building her confidence and self-esteem at the same time and then she wanted to go to university started and stopped started and stopped but we supported her through that process. And now she's 23 and the last stages of her law degree. That's so end to end, that is a good news story. Definitely. 
Yeah. I, I cannot, um, <laughs> you know, I, I studied media and they always tell us, you know, that we must have a, a rationale for everything that we do, especially when we have to name something. And of course, when I see Belle Eve, I have one interpretation of it. I want you to tell me what was the rationale. Let me see whether I got it and if I, whether mine is different from yours. Okay, so Belle Eve, so even the name, the name is about transit, it's about transition. So it's about Tinkerbell and Eve. So it stands for Beautiful First Lady. And it's all about, as women, we transition so much. And a lot of the times we don't have the support in that transition period, which means we then become very lost. And, you know, a whole load of things happen when you don't have support, you feel um, quite despondent in terms of where you are. Um, so for me, the rationale is around sisterhood. We're in it together. Um, but most importantly, it is actually about love. So my thing is, if when it starts and ends with love, only beautiful things can happen. And I have made sure that Eve, all our principles are very much underpinned with my mum's values. And um, my mum was a server. <laughs> So my mum would meet someone at the bus stop and they would become her friend. So therefore, what I've learned within my lifetime is that love and kindness is what enables us to move forward and do great things. All right, so. let me tell you what I thought of when I saw Belle Eve. And for our listeners, okay. it's spelled B-E-L-E-V-E. -E -E. Yeah. And when you're typing it out, the first thing you think of is believe. Believe. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you've heard that many times before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then I stopped and I thought, I wonder whether you did it that way because Belle in most, like in, in the Caribbean, for example, and I think in other cultures, I think in African yeah. cultures as well, correct me if I'm wrong, but the mm -hmm. word Belle means good, beautiful. Yeah. Um, those, you know, it, it, it's a positive thing. Yeah. Belle, mm -hmm. Belle, everything's Belle, it's great. Yes. Eve, of course, female, the yes. first woman. Yes. The, the Eve of something is normally the end going into the beginning. Yes. Something new, Christmas yes. Eve, New Year's Eve. So I yep. thought, wow, that is really an amazing, you know, an, an amazing way to put something together if that is your rationale. And even if, even if it isn't, maybe you might uh -huh. kind of adapt a little bit. <laughs> So but you're you're absolutely you're absolutely spot on. You're absolutely spot on because obviously everything we do is about supporting girls and believing in themselves. Yes. But, yes. but in terms of the words, you're right. It is about Belle, it's about beauty. So beautiful first yes. lady. Yes. Yeah. So no, I, I thought that was just amazing. And I think that um, you know, that we've been uh, sometimes told or most of the time told to have some kind of mantra something that mm. helps you especially with your um, self-esteem you mm -hmm. know I think when I and I think of Belive I'm thinking good girl good lady great yeah. things are going to happen to you mm -hmm. you know it's mm -hmm. womanhood you know yes. and yes. it leaves room for so many different interpretations but mm -hmm. positive ones Yes. That's the important thing. I don't. Yeah. I can't think of any kind of negative connotation that goes with that. But I thought I'd just put that one in because that really I put it put a smile to my face when I saw it. Oh, fantastic! Okay, so saying that, let's go into our metaphor. Of course, mm -hmm. by uh, 
Dr. Maya Angelou, I've learned that people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Mm. How does that make you feel, that quote? How do you substitute it or put it into what the person you are and the things that you're doing? So for me, impact is everything. So I always think about what's the impact I want to have on another person's life. You know, when we think about legacy, it's about impact. So when I read that quote from Maya Angelou, all I'm hearing is what impact are you making on the world? What impact are you making on your girls? What impact are you making on this person, this, this situation, whether it's personal or professional? What impact are you making, Marsha? So it's, it's, it's an anchor that enables me to always be conscious in my steps because I'm always thinking about the impact that I'm leaving behind or transferring to another person. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I can see that. Mm. I can see that. And that actually leads into another question that I was going to ask, which was about inspiration, you know, and how you inspire mm. yourself. But in a way, you've just kind of answered that. Mm. Are there, is there anything else that you'd say in terms of what inspires you? Do you know what? To be fair, my mum 100% wholeheartedly inspires me even today um, in terms of all the things that she achieved as a woman in the 52 years that she was on this earth. Um, my mum died really young, um, but also her legacy, like I'm my mum's legacy and my sisters are my mum's legacy. And again, it's that whole thing of if my mum hadn't died, would I be doing this? I don't think so. So again, it's understanding that my inspiration comes from her. My drive comes from her. Um, and I was saying a couple of days ago, the last 10 years have been the best 10 years of my life. And someone would be like, but your mum's not here. But she's inspired me to do the things that I'm doing today. Yes, well, she is she, here because her memory is with you correct. all the time. You know, the way she brought you up is with you all the time. Mm. You know? And I'm sure that you, when you accomplish something or when someone says something to you, that you know that she would be proud of you. It, it just, she's with you all the time. You right. know, I, can, I yeah. can imagine that. But tell us about the other people who have been around you who supported you, your sister and other maybe family yeah. and friends who have supported Believe. Yeah, so um, I, have, I have sisters. So my sisters very much um, work closely with me in delivering the vision um for believe which what is what are their names so um one's called shiloh mm -hmm. and one's called rochelle and then i have a sister called andrea so um we're very much um like the musketeers oh i see that they're very much on yeah. on social media <laughs> <laughs> we are we're very much like that um and you know they inspire me to be better as a person but i've also been able to be a part of a great network of sisters in terms of I'm all about sisterhood so I'm always about empowering women but also being in a space that is empowering for women so you know over the last eight years I've um I found a sisterhood um called the sister snog and they are amazing in terms of 
the energy, the how much love that's within that group, um, how much challenges within that group. But everything that you you try to do, there's always encouragement. And that has enabled me to always be confident in my stride. And I think that's really important when you are on a journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you a general question. Um, it is well known that many people, they may appear confident, they mm. may appear happy, mm-hmm. but deep down inside, they have elements of low self-esteem mm-hmm. and many of us I think all of us at one point in our life have been mm-hmm. there we know what mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. why do you think that some people have more low self-esteem than others um I there's there's a, a combination of reasons to be fair I think a lot of people are dealing with trauma mm-hmm. and situations trigger low self-esteem so you may be in a situation, something happens and boom, you're right back to that place whereby your confidence is gone and you've got low self-esteem. Um, and I think because as people, we don't necessarily accept when we're in a place of trauma and trauma, you know, when you when you say trauma, everyone always thinks it's about an injury but it is an injury to self. It could be an injury to self. It could be an experience that we haven't dealt with. So I think that causes low self-esteem and it it, it shows up in different, different ways. Mm. For example, people always talk about, oh, my inner child, my inner child hasn't healed or that's my inner child when they're not feeling great. It's my inner child that's coming out. So I think because a lot of us haven't taken out time to do the work, which is the healing of a situation, it brings us right back to that low self-esteem place. You know, um, you did a wrap up just like Ian Levanzan. She always says, do the work, do the work. Do the work. Yeah, whatever it is you in life, to. do the work. You have to. And it's hard, it's hard to sometimes accept that you're in a place of low self-esteem or lack or a place of trauma, but without, being honest to yourself you're not able to move forward and I think that is really where low self-esteem it lives in that place that dark place that you're not prepared to face from time to time I think that's a great answer for something that was just thrown in your face (laughs) (laughs) but tell us what is believe up to now okay so um, for 2021 this is our year of doubling up So for eight years, we have done all the groundwork, we've tried, we've tested, and now we're in a strong position. We have a new chair who I am very excited to be working with in 2021. She has a great resume and I'm gonna learn loads from her, which equally means that we are going to be able to strengthen the charity on all levels. Let's give her an acknowledgement on her name. Her name is Shruti Dube, so D-U-B-E, Shruti Dube. Nice name. Mm. Yes, and she is amazing. So our vision is to double up the number of girls that we impact in 2021, double up the number of partners we work for for 2021, double up the um, amount of money we get in from a donation perspective in 2021. So a strong vision of doubling up in all the key areas 
of believe to ensure that girls have the support that they need and especially in this time you know we've gone back into a national lockdown and you know if you read reports children are suffering um and we just want to make sure that we have the resources in order to support the girls who need our support yeah i hear you um i think that uh, we are all uh, suffering uh, mm. but we have to try and remain positive correct how organizations like yours can make great contributions and i think mm. people should take advantage at this time you know as they're mm. indoors to mm. um check things out so mm. how can people view you online okay so we are on all the socials we're on instagram facebook twitter um and linkedin um we do have a website that at the moment is being redesigned and i'm super excited about that and that is really about making sure that we are serving the girls in our community more effectively so we have a website which is www.belleveuk.org so everything is on that website that you will possibly want to know well basha thank you so much for joining me and us our listeners and uh, i see you've got a, a very full program ahead and yeah. make sure that uh, you tag us into your posts and everything so that we can continue to share your news thank you thank you so much for having me being at music festival seems like a lifetime ago for all of you lucky enough to have experienced one think back what do you remember most clearly You may have hazy memories of singing and dancing in wellies, snippets of screaming and chanting among a massive crowd, or perhaps all but forgotten hours in a tent, hiding from the horrendous British weather. <laughs> but what about how you felt when you were there? Certainly for me, those feelings of joy, excitement, and sometimes anxiety are far more clearly defined in my memory banks. There is probably a wonderful scientific explanation as to why we have a clearer memory of our feelings, but instead, let's use an alternate metaphor suggested by our guest this week, Marsha Powell. I've learned people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Before we delve into the interpretations, let's remember Maya Angelou, a world-renowned writer, poet, professor, a former dancer, calypso singer, filmmaker, civil rights activist, and the origin of our quote. Maya was an extraordinary and talented woman, full of wisdom, but one BBC article claims she may not have been the author of this particular metaphor. The 2017 article states that a variation is likely to have originated from Carl W. Buchner, a high-level official in the Mormon Church, when he said, They may forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. I'm not going to give a definitive answer, partly to avoid accrediting a black woman's work to a Caucasian man without all the facts, but also because I feel it strengthens our metaphor. We may forget who coined the phrase, but the wisdom will endure regardless. Putting the exact origin aside, we still want to know what does the quote mean? Well, essentially it means that when we communicate, we must be aware of the words we use and their emotional balance, how positive or how negative they are. For example, let's take Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous speech, we all know the one. 
If we just took his words at face value, he would just be telling us about his dreams, a subject that only an oneurologist or dream interpreter may find interesting. However, watching the video of that momentous speech, we hear the power in his voice, we see his firm stance and open arms, and we understand the context of the situation. All these factors, along with the words, help us interpret the message and have an emotional response. It's all about good communication. Which reminds me of the often misquoted and often simplified statistic founded by Professor Mebarbrian. When talking about our feelings or attitudes, communication is only 7% verbal and 93% nonverbal. The nonverbal component is made up of body language, which is 55%, and the tone of voice, which is 38%. Now, when I saw those figures, I actually thought it was the other way around because I've always said to people that it's not just the way that you say something, but the tone of your voice, the way you say it is what sets the tone to how that person is going to receive it and how you are going to make them feel. According to Mebrabrian's study, when we talk about our feelings and attitudes, most of the information is communicated through our body language and the tone of our voice. Different voices can impact us in different ways. Exactly what I was saying just a while ago. For example, you may have heard of the myth that 93% of communication is non-verbal. This number is based on studies by Dr. Albert Marabian, but is taken very much out of context. In two studies in the 1960s, scientists had participants identify whether people liked, disliked, or felt neutral about the person they were talking to based on single words, tone of voice, or facial expression. In the first experiment, researchers found people were more likely to use information from facial expressions than from tone of voice when evaluating how much one person liked another person. Then, in the second experiment, they found that people were more likely to determine a person's attitude using tone of voice than the actual meaning of a single word. But these studies are very different from real-life situations. You never have to determine if someone likes you based on a single word or a static facial expression. And there's lots of other information that we communicate besides whether or not we like someone. While tone of voice and facial expressions are important, the 93% rule just isn't applicable in the vast majority of situations. Now, this metaphor is by no means entirely perfect. I'm sure some of you are recalling experiences where you very clearly remember what someone said with no recollection about how you felt. Another phrase came to my mind, action speaks louder than words. That's a wonderful contradictory phrase, isn't it? We all saw this phrase put into practice last year during the Black Lives Matter protests. For years, the racial inequality in America was criticized. People were speaking, shouting and crying for change, but it seemed no one listened until they took action. We then saw marches happen across the globe, people standing up against injustice, tearing down tributes to slavery profiteers and supporting one another as one race, the human race. However, once the smoke cleared and the retweeting stopped, the continued struggle was no longer under the spotlight of the media and it slipped to the back of the public's mind. But still today, if you say Black Lives Matter, 
to someone either for or against the movement, you will see a reaction triggered by their emotions. So how can you use this metaphor in your everyday life? Especially during these difficult times, we should keep in mind those in different circumstances and maybe we should think about how we could help. Maybe a small gesture such as buying a sandwich for a homeless person will have a huge positive impact on them. If you have a friend or even an acquaintance who is experiencing depression or anxiety, send them a nice message to reassure them that they are important. And with Valentine's Day approaching, one of the loneliest times of the year for some, please share your love far and wide. In a few weeks, months, years, they will not remember what you did, but they will always remember how you made them feel. I'm pretty sure Dr. Maya Angelou would have been proud of our guest, Marsha Powell, for helping young girls to feel good about themselves and for encouraging them to believe they can achieve. Thank you, Marsha Powell, for caring and mentoring. I hope you enjoyed the story of the toothbrush. I know I did. And I do hope the next time that you tell someone something that's important, or maybe sometimes when you say something in anger, remember the tone of your voice. Remember the words that you're saying. But if you can, before you even approach the subject, remember how it's going to make them feel if you say or do it in the wrong way. Just as the times when someone did it to you, when you thought, you know what, if they had said it in a different way, I wouldn't feel the way that I do feel right now. This episode was hosted by Delia Delore and had segments written by Sabina Laucopra Garcia and Sean McAladdin. Script supervisors on a web. Thanks for listening to Metaphorically Speaking, created by Delia Delore Productions, with original distribution by Colourful Radio. This episode was hosted by Delia Delore and had segments written by Sabina Laucopra Garcia and Sean McAladdin. Script supervisor is on a web. The show was produced by Sam Colwood with production assistant from Ojua Akasveni. The program was edited by Reese Bridge Robinson and animation and promotional edited by Ernest Deneuve.